0: Hello everyone, welcome to a Kenyan-American, was it, a Kenyan-American living in America, Uh, uh, yes, uh, one of us is Kenyan and one of us is not, Um, you can guess which one's which, Uh, (laughs) and we want to talk to you uh, about something serious about uh, dating and being married interracially, there's a really huge struggle there, and the big struggle is trying to do video.
1: Uh, <laughs> we couldn't find the right filter. time. Right.
0: I, I originally, I was on this side, and my head just looked like the door was wearing glasses. So we're trying to contrast against a little bit of a darker background. But, uh, yes, I, I look extremely pale today, and uh, you look lovely as always, dear.
1: <laughs> you have to say that.
0: Wow. Thank you. So, um, no, seriously, today, um, I think we're talking about something that's a little timely. Um, so, yeah, this is the first time we're doing video for the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you just going to put the microphone there? <laughs> the boom mic, to take everything. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: There we go. Because um, so we have our coffee. So, yeah, so today the topic is um, uh, talking about kind of a little bit about what happened in Washington uh, and getting that experience as you've lived through. Uh, more of a legitimate coup uh, and kind of how you saw this um, and what your reaction like what you experienced initially in describing that and how scary that might be and then kind of we can talk about like the what happened in Washington and how it differs and how it looks kind of the same mm-hmm. uh, and uh, please bear with us uh, our son is starting daycare and uh, he kept us up very late last night so we're yeah. we're running kind of on fumes um, and yeah this is like I said the first time we were videoing video uh recording uh, video for our podcast so for our 32 listeners that uh, want to see what we look like when we do this <laughs> so let, let's dig into it um so why don't you go ahead and tell us like what happened to you originally like how old you were and uh actually let's start kind of really um a little bit earlier than that. So, for those people don't know, uh, Kenya is a rel- relatively young democracy. I mean, it was I think the 50s or 60s is when it was actually.
1: 1963 is when um, we got independence from the British. So.
0: Okay. And uh, how much uh, civil unrest do you guys really see? I mean, I th- you you guys tend to be more peaceful. And there uh, was a friend of ours who's from Eritrea, and uh, very a lot of people in that region. But you guys. Seem to be kind of a little bit shielded with that, but not going completely right.
1: So, yeah, t- uh, traditionally, um, so when I was born, there was this president called Moi, he was the second president, Daniel Torrey Arab Moi. I'll stick him up right here. And, um, he was super super ancient. And <laughs> he,
0: how, how old is super super ancient?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I heard, like, ooh, I'm sorry to the old people, like maybe 84.
0: 84. No, that's older for a world leader. Because, um, I mean, they talk about Joe Biden, who's 78, um, as being very, very old for that position. So, oh, okay. yeah, so, you know, that's about a valid concern. That's, that's, a, that's pretty old for, uh, you yeah, know, based on the averages. Oh, good, know, good. That, that's
1: good. Uh, officially.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean,. You know, not rubbing ages or anything like that. It's just, you know, based on the curve that's, that's, that's older for uh, a leading official. So.
1: Yeah, I just remember he was like the one president we had. I remember he served for 24 years. And like um, anybody who grew up, like I grew up with knowing just one president in my entire lifetime because he took up presidency from the founding father, uh, Jomo Kenyatta. And then just like served for 24 years, always getting reelected, I think. Um, and then, because I think some people think that maybe somehow in between he would rig, but who knows? I mean, I don't, like, I wasn't, I never used to care too much about politics, so I, I didn't keep abreast. So I can't give an educated point of view on that.
0: Um, are the term limits? Um, Like, was he, did he, like, passing legislation, or do you? I know the United States went up to the, the two-term limit, but that wasn't really imposed until like uh, much later, I think after FDR. But uh, yeah, the the two-term um, system was he was this unusual. I mean, I think you guys had a lot of presidents before that. But uh, is there anything written down that a president should only serve, or what is the? How often do you guys have elections? So I should I start there?
1: So, I think every five years is when we have elections, and I think term limits were instituted a bit later, uh, maybe after Moy, if I'm not wrong, and uh, Moy's election, like the last election I think that he got the presidency was in the early 2000s, I don't remember, Um, I was like in high school, those days, maybe uh, primary school. Is it like elementary school? Yeah, elementary school. And um, high school uh, during that time. And so he was the one who experienced a legitimate coup back in 1984. I wasn't born. My parents were in university. And uh, so definitely during that time he experienced an attempted coup and I think an actual attempt at his life. And then from then on, he kind of... Shifted to be a lot more, uh, people think he shifted to be a lot more self serving after that, just because I think he was shook, rightfully so, after that experience. And then um, to answer your question about my experience for, I think mostly it was very close to like what happened in the capital recently. Um, My experience of post poll chaos was in uh, after the post poll, post election.
0: Post-Poll, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. P-O-L-L. P-O-L, yeah, okay, I it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Post-Poll, yeah, I gotcha. Yes, was in a 2007 election, and then I think it persisted towards the end of the year, and then towards the beginning of the year. And during that time, I was in my final year, I was studying medical microbiology in undergrad. I was so excited, I was supposed to start this amazing, um, really good, Internship, I was so excited about it. I was going to be working with baboons and lots of tropical diseases, and it was so in like exhilarating. And it was an experience to die for that lots of people in my class had wanted to get. And, oh,
0: well, um, yeah, research. that'd be a blast, yes. my, my research is so like just on my computer all day, so yes, it'll be fun to work with.
1: <laughs> it was a moment. Of a lifetime. I was so excited, and if you can imagine, for those of you who are finishing college in this time, um, imagine a time when you've been given the opportunity of a lifetime. You're just finishing, you're starting a new phase of your life. I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and then one day I just started feeling so lethargic, so like my brain couldn't catch up with how my body was feeling. turned out I had malaria. And I don't know
0: if I'm answering your question or I'm rambling. A little bit of the rambling, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I I think you're saying context of just how you were feeling and how kind of it compounded um, yeah. into that. Uh, but no, uh, just like an earlier thing, um, mm. so there was the the, um, the coup attempt in 84, but there hadn't been any coup attempts before that.
1: Yes. So, so uh, this was
0: the, – the fact that it happened back, again in 2007, it was kind of like were you guys expecting this or was it just kind of a rarity because – there was, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of unrest around Kenya, but you guys are kind of this, like, a, oh. like kind of a bastion a little bit.
1: Yeah, so Kenyan, Kenya had been very peaceful uh, for the most part. Maybe they'd be, like, here, here or there, you know, like, in the U.S., there's, like, here or there you hear, like, small little bursts of violence. Um, but it wasn't anything at that scale of, like, a coup. Uh, mainly because we've got, like, 42 tribes, and uh, after... After um, we gained independence, there's so many things that never got fully resolved, and so lots of those 42 tribes have little qualms with each other. But overall, it's a very peaceful country, and we always got a lot of warring neighborhood countries coming in as refugees. Like I remember growing up with a lot of friends who are Sudanese refugees, Somalian refugees, Ethiopian, maybe Eritrea. Because those are like the countries surrounding us and they had a lot more war than we we ever could imagine and it was always peaceful we had lots of u.n offices mainly because it was like the hub in the east africa that was considered extremely peaceful um in that context True. okay yeah. so
0: so 2007 uh the elections happened the elections between Moi.
1: No, uh, so it was not Moy, so this was after Moy. So he um, said he took off
0: when he was 84. I was like, wow, how old was
1: he? In that? So that was like the peaceful time, like 24 years old. <laughs> then
0: you would have been super, super,
1: super <laughs> old. <So laughs> oh gosh, well, how old was he? Yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away, um, but I just used to remember seeing, like, he was an 80-year-old dude, and he would just, like, run up the stairs. Like, oh, the back, that. he looked, his back looked young, uh-huh. and then if he turns, it's shocking. Like, he yeah.
0: was very, very creased. Well, those are good goals. I mean, fifty percent looking young. You know, I'll take that. Um, just from the back, I'll take yeah. From the back, I just yeah look like a Q-tip. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so who who's who's in charge of this time? Because I know um Jomo Kenyatta's son took over for a while. Was the coup when he was in office, or was it? Uh, who were the two people in power at
1: this point? So the 2007 election was between between Uh Moi Kibaki and Raila Odinga, I think. Cause I think I remember those being, and I wouldn't even call, I don't think I would call it a coup necessarily, because it was an election, and then the results were disputed. So Raila said the the opponent, um, the opposition, said that the winning like the apparent president-elect had stolen the election and um called like he actually had it seemed like he had evidence and it seemed credible and i think this caused unrest
0: that sounds very very familiar <laughs> yes it
1: was pretty much like really familiar
0: okay um yeah so let's uh let's go let's get back okay so now that like the let's set here and then um so you had malaria it's 2007 you're doing some really you know great research you're excited about it and um yeah all of a sudden the coup hits so um how did how was your family were they nervous about this were they scared uh because you know i guess we have to kind of jump back a little bit the, the big difference here was that um the the was he the incumbent or was he the um uh, the challenger uh
1: so the incumbent means the one that. Did he, he currently
0: have office when he lost the election, or did he was he challenging the incumbent when he? I, don't know, I need a term for that.
1: So, the details are fuzzy, but I can I'll put it up if I find okay. it. Okay.
0: Um, um, but uh, so he he's challenging, but uh, the person who's doing the challenging has the support of the military. Even though like he's lost the election, he actually has military support for this coup. So it's.
1: Um, I don't think that necessarily he had the support of the military. He just had... So I think it's a little different in Kenya because also it's tribal. So Raila Odinga was Luo, Kibaki Kikuyu. So they have certain support from certain tribes. And both those sides have a good amount of majority tribes. So Luo has... uh, On his side, he had plenty of people that could... Basically, you know, fight for his purpose, and also Mwai Kibaki had people that could fight for his purpose. But I think because of the kind of passion they both ignited, particularly Raila Odinga, um, because he seemed like the underdog whose uh, presidency was ripped from under him, and so people started fighting like it was so bad. They started like killing certain tribes, um, and I think particularly. Uh, I remember violence against the Kikuyu because the president was Kikuyu.
0: Was it this the military level or was this at uh, the No, it
1: was just, like, I think it was just civil level.
0: Civil level, okay. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's scary. So, yeah. so the, it kind of split along tribal lines and then the people themselves started kind of attacking. So there was no, yeah. so. no military, like, faction or split. It was just uh, at the civil level, but that's still very, very scary.
1: Yeah, I think sim- uh, a bit similar to the U.S. It's kind of civil level right now, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it's like absolutely. the people who are considered super conservative, right-wing versus left-wing, right. are the ones who have a conflict in ideologies about yeah. the election. Yeah. And they're fueled by s- the opponent who has lost.
0: Right.
1: Um, and apparently then he's saying... He- It's been stolen, and they're kind of carrying his purpose now for him. Sure, yeah, so that was pretty much what happened.
0: I've seen uh, a lot of uh, articles. A lot of people make the argument that uh, you know American tribalism is just kind of defined like Republican and Democrat. Yeah. We do kind of like yeah, for better or for worse, we kind of identify ourselves in those tribes, and then. You know, I, and I think like, the numbers are, you know, like one third is Democrat, one third is Republican, one third is like independent. So there's like, a large portion who are just independent. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, it's very interesting, like, the similarities between um, these two events here. And uh, so, you know, getting back to the question of like, how did you guys feel? I mean, were you worried that a civil war was going to break out?
1: it was indeed scary but the good thing is where my family lives it's about it's not in the city center so it's a bit in the outskirts of the suburbs um and maybe give it like 45 minutes drive so to speak and i think we thought our neighbors were pretty close-knit but when things turn also if you never know when neighbors will start seeing you like You're the other because you're a different tribe so we were we had a level of apprehension that we were like yeah our neighbors would never do that to us (laughs) because we were the minority tribe um most of them were actually kikuyu but we really got along so we didn't like we didn't think there was a world in which they would ever turn against us and they all knew like neighbors knew like what each other is and also based on your your like name your you people usually can tell like also based on your accent sometimes we can tell based on your name and so there was a level of apprehension but we felt like we were far enough removed it's like people who live like right in washington might be worried right now but um if you live far away that you kind of hear here here and there so there used to be peaceful demonstrations in the city center and so as long as you had no reason to cross the city like you call it the cbd you didn't feel like it was it was fine enough that you felt like you're gonna be fine so yeah that is. and uh, i think there was an ap article released the other day and they were uh, talking to the capitol police and uh, i guess they were uh, this is uh,
0: in the united states recently because you're, you're talking about like you you couldn't imagine that they would would turn on you yeah and that and they said there was uh, there was offers of extra protection um for the, the electoral college process and they they refused it and so it's kind of a similar mindset they, they couldn't really imagine mm. this uh what actually happened and uh yeah and so it's yeah it's a little disheartening of like you have to think the worst yeah, in these situations
1: to protect yourself
0: yeah, yeah. um so yeah, that's <laughs> that's like a very large toll because you know in where we're at, uh, we well we assume our neighbors. Like, actually we're in a pretty divided state. Um,
1: it's a swing state. Swing right? state,
0: but uh, very you know, very much gray here. Um, but uh, mm. yeah, there is a lot of like people with different political opinions. But um, yeah, it is kind of scary because you don't. You don't wanna just be out one day and somebody just you know me. <laughs> <Looks> yeah. <laughs> kind of crying at you weird, or something. Naive. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay, cool. Uh so so you the this happened, um you guys were kind of out of the city, but uh the one thing that was interesting is that uh kind of the indirect effects of this is there was a bit of a, a government shutdown. Like you're, you had, you got sick during this time and you weren't able to get care.
1: Inconvenience, yes.
0: I... <laughs> and that, that's a Canadian that's thing to kind of downplay, you know, like something terrible happened. I had malaria. The hospital shut down. So inconvenient. It's an inconvenience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So during this time we were like, we'll just lay low. You know, we have. Weirdly enough, we used to read a lot of um, war information not like just like novels and so we always in my family like my house we always had a pantry full of dried goods so we were like we could survive for months and we had like a garden like a backyard garden so like in the last goes to the worst we have like avocados papayas in the back if if we need to kind of subsist and just basic stuff we'll have like rice beans like tons and tons for some reason um so my mom is an English literature professional and so she had to read a lot and there's a uh, lots of stories about like Biafran War and that. So a lot of the people who were able to survive just had like a pantry full of storage so that you can you don't have to leave the house. But then that's not the case if you suddenly have a life threatening disease and it was a co infection, so malaria and pneumonia and um, I went to like a local dispensary, what do you call a dispensary, like it's just a pharmacy or see, yeah kind of,
0: drugstore it's kind of like
1: a drugstore Um, they, yeah I guess you could call it a drugstore, like just like the neighborhood convenience place that can handle just like small minor ailments and they're like good lord you need to be in there, like, you need to be admitted at a big hospital which was called Marta Hospital but it's you have to cross the city, Nairobi, where all the unrest is happening. And apparently, like, supposed to be peaceful demonstrations, but they didn't turn out peaceful. Um, and at the time, my brain, so I was like thinking about my internship, I was excited, and I was like, I need to go make it to my internship. Like, it was really bumming me out. Like, my brain wasn't catching up with how lethargic my body was feeling. And uh, the malaria was basically blowing out all my like, red blood cells. Cause as soon as I would get up, I felt like I would pass out. So my hemoglobin was terrible. Um, if you know about uh, Plasmodium, the malaria parasites wreaks havoc on your red blood cells, and that's where you carry your anem your not anemia. You carry your hemoglobin that helps with the iron supply and oxygen supply for your body. And so. That is what was happening, and beyond that, I also had a terrible bout of pneumonia, which just kind of escalated, I think, from weakened immunity, and it was just imperative that I get round-the-clock medical attention, but we just couldn't cross the city, and I think that's what dawned on us that we are not in a good place, (laughs) in a good position. And uh, at the time, uh, my dad used to work in a university that had kind of a decent dispensary. And so they were able to uh, figure out alternatives. They gave me, like, a drip of um, intense malaria concoction, anti-malarial concoction. And uh, I was just, like, admitted there for a few days. And uh, thankfully, I started feeling a bit better. But I just couldn't. Even after I felt better, I think the effect on... My hemoglobin was so bad that I was severely anemic, and I remember I would try to walk like a couple like to the stage to get on a on a matatu on a public transport so I can go to my internship because I didn't want to tell them I was sick because I was like I didn't want to risk losing the opportunity because so many other people were on the wait list <laughs> and I just couldn't make it to the bus stop and on top of that it was also risky getting to town to go to my internship because it was in Karen the opposite side of town like you have to cross Nairobi the city center but i felt like if i left really early like five or six before the demonstrators came and then left late i would be fine and so thankfully i had a friend i'm not gonna out him because um i told him my plight and he used to come and help me get in the in the Matatu, in the public transport. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to go, we would see, like he'd, he'd get me into like the, the right place, like in the Matatu, because otherwise I would pass out. <laughs> but I couldn't tell anyone. Like, I didn't want to even tell my immediate family how badly I was. As soon as I felt a bit better, I wanted to get up and go to my internship. And that is kind of what happened, because living in that moment, you realize, what a risk it was, but I think it was good that I was so naive because I wanted so much to get my, um, my internship done. And uh, at the time, I would cross lo- loads and loads of fully armored police, um, like military people. They had, I just had never seen like the armor around the crotch. I was like, what? <laughs> like, it was so you couldn't even see their face. <laughs> yeah. Everything was covered. Yeah. And they had huge machine guns, and they were just waiting for something to just go crazy. And I haven't really told a lot of people this because I really wanted to make sure like nobody was like, "Oh, you're feeling too bad, just stay in bed." And so I would go there to my internship. I had my some of my friends there. Uh, my gosh, I probably shouldn't say his name. We were in the same lab. And uh, we were working on, like, the baboon that was a reservoir for a disease. We were looking at Bilhazia, and they all really worked with me. Like, I was so low energy, but they really worked with me. It was, I think it's, like, insanely, even though that was a scary moment, it's legitimately the highlight of my career, like, my life. (laughs) I think in all that, I saw so much faith in humanity, like, Um, Like, my friend who helped me kind of hide my... Sure, I I was truly so sick. (laughs) Yeah. I was supposed to be admitted. Yeah. So, I think that was, like, my experience with that, because I just realized maybe how not smart I was to just risk myself and walk through... Like, like you were showing me pictures of all these cops in front of the Capitol, (laughs) like, fully armored. Yeah. I was like, I would just, like, walk through that and go climb like on, on my tattoo and you just know it felt so volatile things could happen and shift fast <laughs> right. and they couldn't run well
0: uh, yeah i mean there was that um, i don't know you you see the uh the videos of the protesters and you know i i i think there is kind of this idea that uh, maybe they're being a little naive in what they're yeah. doing um because it's uh yeah I, you know i the, the video that sticks out in my mind is the the girl who was wearing the scarf and uh, she got maced and she seems really upset about it and then they asked her what she was doing she said we were storming the Capitol it's a revolution mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the fact that she got maced is like you know kind of a foregone conclusion yeah that <laughs> that's kind of a very Probably. limited response yeah. uh, so what can uh, us as Americans who are going through this kind of for the first time uh, you know what can we learn from uh, Kenyans, because I, you know, I think like even like for the pandemic response, you guys have done really well, um, in Kenya, uh, just because you guys are used to having, you know, kind of viral outbreaks, and you know, you guys have seen not a lot, but a little bit of civil unrest. So, what would you do differently if you were doing that again, or what do what would you tell people, you know, now that you've been through this? Uh, what things would you change or, you know, what what can Africans teach us about uh, this this time other than have an avocado tree in the backyard? <laughs> Which is funny because I always, I remember distinctly like that avocado tree, there's a car parked underneath it, and like throughout the day when we were staying with your family, I'd you hear a bunk and like an avocado bouncing off the car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve is talking about when we went to Kenya and he, he saw these trees in the back of our house and. Those avocados constantly falling and plopping on the car. Yeah,
0: but um, yeah. So the um, so what would, what would be your advice, um, as someone who's kind of gone through this? Like, is there anything you would have done differently, um, in hindsight, and uh, how do you think people should handle this now, as someone who's seen this?
1: So I, based on the th- the real fears I had when I realized. I can just lay low. I need medical attention. Um, and I also need to focus on my career. And I think it's maintain hope in those situations, number one. Second fold, I think if you see your neighbor as the other, you're more likely to, in your mind, rationalize being like those people who trampled over cops or like really hurt people because they thought that it was a revolution because you're seeing those other people as the other. Just figure out a way to connect with people and welcome diversity of thought because you could really turn yourself, you could turn yourself into a monster that you don't even know. Like we were also kind of in the back of our minds scared that what if our majority neighbors turned against us? But thankfully, at least for me, I never experienced that. Like a lot of the people who are even helping me to get to the internship were from those tribes. Mm -hmm. That, Like I think you have a choice. Like every day you leave, you have a choice to choose to be kind and choose to be human. Um, It's just that, it's like these politicians, at the end of the day, they have their security detail and they're pitting people against each other. And ultimately, the normal person, even like we are saying with the pandemic, these politicians have hordes of medical attendees, like teams that can fix them if things go wrong, but we are just like the normal people. Just think of yourself, like gain perspective and realize that you really you're not in the same league, and they're gonna use you to do their dirty work. Yet they have all their like they have all the privilege that will fix anything if it goes wrong.
0: So if I can like distill that down. Um, uh... Before you start thinking of somebody as different, just remember that you don't have armor on your crotch. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't have crotch armor. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that, that's how I would phrase it like a little like, two sentence thing. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. No crotch
0: armor. <laughs> no crotch armor.
1: Your crotch is accessible. <laughs> around the green, but
0: yeah. for some
1: reason those seemed forgotten.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean you guys had like a large group so it's not just, it's just the tribal thought process essentially that uh, can lead to, you know, as a, a tying it so strongly to your identity you can lead to like these ideas that you need to march up and uh, you said politicians kind of use this to rile people up and...
1: Uh... Yeah, I think it's also a little bit more deep-seated than that uh, because before any, like before colonization The tribes coexisted just fine. And they had tribal beliefs that really gelled well with each other. Um, But I think during what they call the the, uh, scramble and partition for Africa, they tried to partition people in a way that was like conquer and divide, divide and conquer. Yeah. And I think they made it in a way that a lot of the tribes that were eventually pitted against each other didn't really gel well or also I think, so this is me I'm not, I've dropped history a long time ago but I'm just remembering, learning something like when um, the world wars broke out they used to get people from their colonies, like the African colonies to go fight for them Mm -hmm. and uh, when people would go fight and come back they'd find that the local colonialists had rewarded their property to other people who had collaborated with them, mm. like the people who had betrayed their own community. Right. And so this, like this, a lot of the conflict that has persisted has to do with land rights and such injustices that stemmed from colonial period. And they're right. very complicated to like just fix.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Because yes. that was uh, the original ownership was before we never used to have like title deeds. That's all a very foreign Western thing. Yeah, like, right. People just used to respect each other's land. And uh, for example, like pastoralists never like like officially owned anything because they would roam everywhere and feel like their grass was entitled. Their their cattle was entitled to everyone's grass. Right. But when people started to like, okay, I'm gonna plant a flag here. and am gonna sign a title deed then it's a foreign concept and a lot of people's land got grabbed mm. because it's, it's also like land that is your heritage like your right. ancestors grew here but you have no way of proving it because things shifted yeah. <laughs> so it's very complicated and lots of people are still mad
0: right so yeah, yeah the, uh, the colonials kind of exploited the, the tribal ideas um, that were, yeah. were fine before and now they're being kind of used to you know empower the political party and I guess that does seem relevant still today I mean um, you know like (laughs) the two party system should you know stoke intellectual debate and should be beneficial to both parties to try to move forward and make sure that there's no blind spots or anything like that. And then but when you like stoke that divide to try to enhance yourself politically, I think that's that's definitely a warning sign. So Mm -hmm. excellent. Well this was a great talk. Um finishing thoughts on this or what do you think?
1: Uh your I think I like your uh, conclusion of you don't have crotch armor,
0: so yes. <laughs> let's not
1: dilute
0: that message. Let's not dilute the no crotch armor message. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great note to end on, and I think uh, we may try to bring in some uh, other people who've kind of gone through these these experiences as well and kind of get an idea of just, you know, what we can do. Uh, this is really new to a lot of people, and kind of, like you said, it it's outside the imagination, um, and that's when that happens it's kind of scary i'm sure Um, yeah you know it scares me um so yeah uh i hope you guys like this and uh we'll be back soon uh with some more things along these lines and then once we get kind of more of a peaceful transition we will go back to the fun stuff of talking about tribes and food and christmas and all that so all right well thanks guys uh good seeing you in person and uh we will work on the the color distortion here we'll
1: figure out the best that Yeah, as I
0: go into the the blinds here I just fade to just white. <laughs>
1: All
0: oh. right. Take care.
1: Bye. Bye.